Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Worship Center in Brighton, Michigan. We hope you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit faithworshipcenter.org. I just want to challenge you. I feel the Lord totally redirected what I was going to or intended to share with you. He does that sometimes. And I just, I want to to challenge your love for the Lord, your commitment to the Lord. You know, when we were worshiping and singing that song, Lord, we're desperate for you. And I'm going to ask you all to sing that uh, at some point in time here uh, when we're finished. And I just felt the Lord began to quicken my heart and began to speak to my heart and challenge you as the church to have a greater heart and a greater desire for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, just because you're born again doesn't mean that you have it all. And just because you're born again and even baptized with the Holy Ghost, it doesn't mean that you really have a heart that is pressing in to the Lord. You know, I'm reminded of two, two characters in the Word of God, and there's others uh, throughout the Scripture that we see that really had a, an amazing heart after God and a desire to want to know God and pursue God. But two of them that I've always been drawn to is King David, the one whom the Lord says is a man after my own heart. I always, you know, one, I mean, I know now, but as a young Christian, I always wondered how the Lord could reconcile a man who committed adultery and committed murder, but yet he is recorded in Scripture as being a man after God's own heart. David had a pursuit after God. When you read many of the Psalms, one that stand, always stood out in my mind is Psalm 42 and 1. As the deer pants after the water brooks, so my soul longeth after thee. My tears have been my meat day and night. My soul longs for the courts of the Lord. He would say things like that throughout his writings. You see a very evident passion in longing and love and desire for the Lord. And I believe that that is a challenge to us in the day that we live in to also have a heart like he did, a heart like David, that's hungry and desperate for God. You know, just about every Christian at some point in your life, you will fade away and you will leave your first love. You'll get caught up in other things. You'll get caught up in things of this world. You'll, you'll try to serve God in different ways according to your flesh and according to the world and according to the church system. And it will stray you away from the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll find yourself guilty of leaving your first love. You know, when you look at that church, the church of Ephesus that Jesus addressed... And they were a committed church in the sense of being very busy. 
They labored. They were. Uh, they had discernment. They did not allow false apostles and false teaching in their midst. If you were to look at that church from the outside, you would say that church has got it going on. That church is 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 on fire for God. That church is busy about the ministry and busy about the things of God. But the Lord saw it in a different way. The Lord looked at the intent of the heart, and the Lord saw that they had left their first love. How many Christians today are guilty of the same thing? Oh, we're busy about, you know, we, after a while we've been saved, we learn how to do this thing. We learn how to do the, do Christianity. We learn, you know, that we need to go to church and that we pray and that we read our Bibles. And I'm not knocking any of those things. But they can just become a dead ritual that really is not indicative of our heart for the Lord, whether we have that or not. And I believe that the Lord, especially in these last days, as things are winding up, and if you don't believe that we are in the last of the last days, you better wake up and smell the coffee, my friend. We see what's going on in our world, and I'm here to tell you that it ain't going to get any better. I don't care who you vote in office, it ain't going to get any better. And you better draw closer to the Lord than you ever have. And this is a time where we need to draw near to him, to our first love, and have him to be preeminent within our lives, to have his way and be first place in our hearts and in our lives. You see, he will accept nothing else. You know, I think of Paul in, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 when he addressed those uh, believers in that church, and he said, I am jealous over you. I have espoused you, he said, to one husband. In other words, I we could look at it this way, I believe. He officiated a wedding between these believers and the Lord Jesus Christ. I espoused you to one husband. But he said, in a sense, he was saying, I fear that you are on the road to committing adultery. He could see that the enemy was deceiving them. And as he said, he used the word troubling you, that he's troubling you. The idea there with that word trouble is leading them into legalism. Anything, see the devil will use anything to get us to stray away and take our eyes off of and our commitment and our devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. He will use anything. And we need to be aware of that. And I believe with all of my heart that in this day that we are living in, God is calling his bride, as Paul said, as a chaste virgin, a pure virgin that is committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
not committing adultery, not committing spiritual adultery and fornication, but a, a bride, a, a, a church that is without spot and without wrinkle, that is totally focused on and dependent upon their husband, if you will, the Lord Jesus Christ to fulfill them and sustain them. David had a heart after God. Paul, another one that I think of that had such a great heart after God. I, I'm not going to go there because I could spend an hour, hour and a half dealing with it. But in Philippians chapter 3, where he would say things like, that I may know him. That I may know him, not just up here but that I may have an experiential knowledge, a deep revelation and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, meaning that I may know him in the context of Calvary. That's the only way you can know God. Or you can know about God by reading your Bible, but you can read your Bible, you can even memorize much of your Bible and not know God. The only way that you can know him is through Calvary. Paul had a heart, a desire that I may know him, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of faith. A single focus, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said that I may apprehend him. I am apprehended so that I may apprehend him. Not as though I have apprehended, but I press I press toward the mark of the prize of the upward call of God. Where? In Christ Jesus. Amen. L listen to me. The highest call of all, higher than being an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, or a teacher, the highest call of all is for you to live your life in Christ Jesus. For you to be dependent upon Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary. That's the highest call of all. And the beautiful thing about that calling is every one of you can partake of that and participate in that calling. Not every one of you is called to be an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher. But every one of you is called to be devoted and committed to the in Christ life. Devoted and committed to the cross of Calvary. And that's the only way that you can have relationship with God. That's the only way that you can be committed to him. God is calling his church closer to himself, to, to have our eyes and our focus more on the Lord Jesus Christ. There's so many things that we get distracted by. And he's calling us in these last days to have a single eye, a single focus 
on him. As I mentioned a little bit ago, he wants to be preeminent within your lives. I want to I look at a few passages here. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians in chapter 3. I want to touch on something. I preach this uh, only one other time. Actually, I preach it at Family Worship Center. I'm not going to preach the whole message, but there's one uh, area here where I feel that I want to really drive home and focus on. Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm going to uh, begin reading in verse 14. This is one of the great prayers that the Apostle Paul uh, prayed, a prayer. You know, one of the things I, I taught a class, and Asher may have even been in that class on prayer, biblical principles of prayer, and in studying uh, the prayers of Paul, I, I, I wasn't looking for this, but I found it as I was studying all of the prayers that he prayed, the major prayers that he prayed in his letters, and, and I noticed a theme here that every one of the prayers that he prayed for the particular churches, if you could, if you could summarize it, encapsule uh, the intent of the prayer, it was this that the people whom he prayed for would have a greater revelation of Jesus Christ and the new covenant. One of my favorite ones are in the same book in chapter 1. One of the most powerful prayers prayed that we should all learn and pray for one another. That the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. That we would know what is the hope of his calling. And the glorious riches of the inheritance in the saints. What God has invested in you in Christ. What a powerful prayer. A greater revelation. And we really see the same thing here in this prayer as well. But Paul would say this. He would say, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. That's verse 12 actually. Verse 13, wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Verse 14, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. I mean, no, he's got riches and glory, amen? So Paul is praying that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. In other words, that it would become a reality in you. That you would receive that. That you would experience that. Amen. I want to experience the riches of his glory. My God shall supply all of your need according to what? The riches of his glory. What a powerful statement there. Then he would say to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. This seems to apply the, uh, imply the, the baptism and the fullness of God's spirit in the life of the believer. There's no greater, yeah, there's no greater prayer to pray than that, that a believer will experience the fullness of the spirit of God. Paul said elsewhere in this book in chapter 5, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be being filled. That's what it means in the Greek. Be being filled or be controlled moment by moment by the Spirit of God. That's the will of God for you. To be controlled by the Spirit of God. But very few believers, I believe, really live that kind of a life. Because the only way that you can, moment by moment, be 
filled and continually filled and controlled by the Spirit of God is if you have your faith right. If you don't have your faith right, my friend, guess what? That experience that you had, that baptism with the Holy Ghost, you won't walk in that the way that God desires and ordained for you to walk in. And I'm kind of deviating here, but I feel like I just want to, I want to deal with this for a moment. That's why believers are running around and you're looking for a quickening of God's spirit. Oh, I got to go to church so, man, I can get a quickening of God's spirit. I got to go to the prayer meeting so I can get a quickening. And I'm not against quickenings and experiences corporately in worship and whatever else. But God desires that you experience his presence in your life and his glory all the time. Amen. Do you know that you can experience that and walk in that as a believer? When you're on the job, when you ladies are taking care of your housework or whatever you're doing or on the job, whatever the case, you can walk in the presence of God when you have your faith right in the finished work of Calvary. You see, something happens when you have your faith right. The Holy Ghost, listen to me. The Holy Ghost will be all over you. All over you. You won't be able to shake them. People running around and trying to, you know, have a feeling and, and have an experience and all of that. And again, I'm not against experiences in God. But you can walk in it all the time. See, I don't come to church to get an experience. I don't come to church to sense the presence of God. I come to church full of the presence of God and full of the Spirit of God so that we can corporately gather together and worship God that there can be a corporate sense of the presence and the power of God in the midst of a people. The reason why God is not moving in our churches is because God's people are not responding properly to God and coming into the house of God full of the Spirit of God. That should be your goal, Pastor. Get your people full of the Holy Ghost and living in it constantly. Point them to the cross. You know, it's interesting that every move of God, even Azusa Street, the emphasis of the ministry was not the Holy Spirit. The emphasis of the ministry was the blood, the cross. Every move of God that ever took place, there was a people that were led to Calvary, led to the blood of Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, they began to experience the power of God in their lives. And God began to move and do miraculous things in their midst. Glory to God. If we want the power, my friend. For the preaching of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness. But unto us, it is the power of God Almighty. Glory. You want the power, you got to go to Calvary. 
God wants us to live spirit-filled, spirit-controlled lives. His spirit in the inner man. Then he says this in verse 17, and this is what I want to drive home just for a few moments here. And then we're going we're gonna to worship and we're going to uh, have a time in the Lord here as we worship him. He says this, he says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Now, this is not speaking of the general presence of God that is in every believer. You know, I, I, I read that and, and I knew the Lord was trying to tell me something with that statement. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. I thought to myself, well, every believer, everyone who's born again, Christ is dwelling in their hearts. Amen? Amen. If you're born again, Christ is dwelling in your heart. But I began to dig a little deeper into that word dwell. And it implies this, that Christ may be at home in your hearts. Let me just say this. Not, ever, not in, in, in the heart of every believer, Christ is not at home in the heart of every believer. Born again. Had a great experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Comes to church every time the doors are open. Even love God to a certain degree. But it doesn't necessarily mean that Christ is at home in your heart. And I, I began to search that and I found a commentary. One commentator said this. He said what I just said to you a moment ago, that it does not speak of the general presence of God in every believer. But he said this, in some, Christ is predominant. He's present in all. And then there's some that Christ is predominant. All right. That means that's another level. But then he said, get this, and this is what I pray, and this is what I want for every one of you. This is what I desire for me. I desire for my wife. I desire for my family. And this is what I hope you desire. He said this. He said, but in some, and only a very few, unfortunately, Christ is preeminent. Preeminent. Meaning that he's everything to them. Meaning that he's the air that you breathe. Meaning that you've laid your life down, that you've lost your life, that you may find his life yes. yes. preeminent in your heart. Yes, we know that Christ is preeminent, but is he preeminent in you? Is he the king and the Lord and the master? And does he have dominion over your heart? Is he just present? Oh, I'm saved. I'm born again. I even came to an altar and I got baptized with the Holy Spirit. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, is he preeminent? Is he everything? Is he our all in all? See, that's the 
pure virgin bride that Jesus is coming back for. Let me tell you something. This is not a time to be lukewarm. This is not a time to be wishy-washy in your relationship with God. This is a time to be full on. Full on. Lord, I'm pressing toward that mark of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And then notice this statement here right, at, right after that. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts. How? By faith. You see, a word that we so many times we take for granted and we think we really understand what the word faith means. Let me just say this. Well, let me say this first. It's interesting that in the Old Testament, only two times is the word faith used. I think it's Deuteronomy 32.20 and Habakkuk 2.4. Two times. Two-thirds of your Bible. The word faith is only used twice. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, of course, it means that, well, they did have to live by faith under the Old Covenant, faith toward God. They were had faith in the coming Redeemer. That was the faith that they were. But it's just interesting that the word faith itself was not used but two times in the Old Testament. But, you know, in the New Testament, one-third of your Bible, the word faith is used 240 sometime. I think 244, somewhere around their times, is the word faith used. That should tell us something. That faith and the promise, faith and the Redeemer, faith and what Jesus did on the cross are very intimately and intricately linked together. Biblical faith will always take you to Calvary. If your faith is only a faith that, you know, gets stuff from God, that's, that's the kind of teaching we hear about faith today in the church. Faith to believe God for this and faith to believe God for that. Faith to believe God for a big ministry. Faith to believe God for more money and a bigger house and a nicer car and nicer clothes and believe God for this relationship or whatever it may be. And in a sense, there's nothing wrong with that if you understand what true biblical faith really is. It'll point you to Calvary. We could say that faith and the cross really go hand in hand. Just about every, every place that you see the word faith, you could put cross. Redemption plan of God. By faith. That's the only way that Christ can be preeminent. Dwelling in your heart. Making his home in you. Amen. It's, it's a very alarming thing to think of this, this thought that in many believers, Christ is not at home in their hearts. He's not at home. It's like living in a household where one of the members of the relationship, husband or wife, and they're committing adultery, my friend. That's not home. You're not at home in a household like that. 
And unfortunately, that's what it's like with many believers. Christ is not at home. And I don't say this in a condemning way. I'm just trying to challenge you to make Jesus preeminent so that he can feel at home in your heart and in your life. It's only by faith, my friend. By faith. Faith in the finished work of Calvary. It's only by faith. The faith of the Son of God. The life that I live, I live it by the faith of the Son of God. That's what biblical faith is. Biblical faith is I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And this life that I now live in this flesh, I live it by the faith of the Son of God, meaning what Jesus did for me on the cross of Calvary. Amen. My friend, you get a hold of that. And that's why Paul is praying for the believers that they get a revelation of Calvary. So that Christ can dwell, be at home in their hearts and in their lives. And I'll tell you something. There is no greater life. And I'm not saying that I've arrived. But I know that I'm living it to the best of God's ability and God working in me. I'm not going to say my ability. The best of what he is doing in me. And I'll tell you, there ain't nothing like having Jesus be preeminent within your life. Ain't nothing like it. Because then you walk in all of the amazing, wonderful benefits as an heir of God and a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's when you begin to experience the provisions of the storehouse of heaven. The riches that be in glory in Christ Jesus. That's when you begin to experience those spiritual blessings. God delivered him up for us all. He may give us all things. My friend, there's an abundance in God's storehouse that unfortunately very few Christians are experiencing because he's not preeminent and he's not at home in your heart and in your life. So what he's calling his church to in this day and hour that we live in, my friend. Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Master. Oh, Father. We thank you for the challenge of your spirit, Lord, in this hour, Lord. Lord, I pray for hearts that would be open here. Those listening by any means, Lord God, over the internet, Father, may their hearts be open, Lord God. 
that Christ may dwell in their hearts by faith, O oh God. That Christ would be at home in the hearts of your people, O oh Lord. Lord, that he would be not just present, not just predominant, but, O oh God, he would be preeminent within the hearts of your people, O oh Lord. Give us a hunger, Lord, a desperation for you. Hallelujah. And Lord, that we could be the bride that you have called us to be, that we could be the church without spot, without wrinkle, a chaste virgin bride, ready to meet our bridegroom. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And I want us to sing. There was another song that you sung before that one, Desperate for You. More of you. If you want to, however you want to do it. Uh, between those two. And I'm just going to challenge you in this house. I, I sensed the presence of God in a very powerful and profound, not because I did such a good job, but God was challenging all of us, is challenging all of us to allow Jesus to have a greater place in our hearts and in our lives and to be preeminent. So as we're worshiping here tonight, I just want you to respond accordingly. However, the Holy Spirit is dealing with you. Let him bring conviction. Let him draw you. He is the Spirit of God, desires to draw you to Jesus. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. How many know that he is good? Amen.